final uh, Pure Talk for the second series, and I am delighted to be talking to Dr. Linda Smith, who is the newly appointed, I've got to say this properly, newly <laughs> appointed president of the Society of Women Artists. So welcome, Linda. Thank you. And hello to everybody who's listening. Yeah. I was just saying in the green room, look at that wallpaper. It's just <laughs> stunning. I'm, I was trying to work out where Linda lived so I could sneakily lick, whip around there and whip the wallpaper. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I now know where you live, remember? <laughs> right, okay. But I have told you where, where you buy it from. So. Yes, yeah, it's Cole and Son wallpaper. Yes. And um, yes, it'll be pricey, but I love, I'm a lover of wallpaper. I love texture and the layering and, and all the, you know, kind of story that that brings to everything. It gives it that lovely. And you were saying to me as well, weren't you, that I was saying about the floating shelves and you said you wallpaper your floating I do. shelves. Genius idea. Yeah, I do. Genius. I have a credit, fully accredited you with that Thank idea, you. Yeah. but I am stealing it. Oh, right. I'm okay, that's it. fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm taking that. I'm taking it'll, that. It'll well. suddenly take off and everybody will be doing it. I've never they seen it. <laughs> I just thought, I don't know, it makes them disappear. It's more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, <laughs> and those floating shelves are great because you can put them up and you can kind of recurate your work all the time. Yeah. You don't have to like pin them to the wall and then, yeah. you know, that's it. You've got a damage in your wallpaper or whatever. That's so. right. You don't have to damage the walls either. Being an old property, yeah, you know, you you don't have to damage the walls, which is great. Just the initial put the shelf up, yeah, and that's it, really. Yes. Yeah. No, I love. I'm a floating shelf advocate, and mm. now I'm going to be wallpapering them. Right. Okay. <laughs> good. Yeah. Make, make them. Uh, yeah. Make them float. Make them disappear. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Definitely. Unless you so have you're white not... walls. Yeah. 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 Then you can paint them white. That's right. Paint, paint to match your walls as well. Yeah. Yes. So we've got lots of people joining us, so that's lovely. And if anyone who's joining us here or they're on, watching on Restream, let me just check the Restream is working. Yes, it is. Perfect. If you're watching us on the Facebook or YouTube live stream, then if you've got questions, you need to – well, you can't on YouTube because there's no facility for that. But if you're on Facebook, pop the questions in there, and then I'll um, – while Linda's chatting, I'll have a look. And if Sophie's around, she'll also have a look and we'll bring the questions back over. If you're watching us here now, live on Crowdcast, you have an ask a question box. So at the bottom of the screen is the ask a question box. Pop your questions in there. And then towards the end of me chatting to Linda, I will ask your individual questions. So, and I'm sure you're going to have lots of questions. Although remember, be kind. Because <laughs> Linda is new. <laughs> she's new to this role so she won't have all the answers to all the questions forever but we're going to get to know a bit about Linda so Linda yes could you just tell me a bit about your growing up I know you live in Canterbury now but where were you born where did you grow up what was your life like you know from an artistic perspective when you were growing up right I was born in Hastings in my grandmother's house um used to visit there quite a lot I lived I believe somewhere near Penge initially and then we moved to Streatham. Streatham, we went to near Wandsworth Common. Um, and then I think I lived in the Chase for a while. Yeah. So growing up artistic-wise, I was quite a loner. I used to go and do things by myself. Probably quite strange to some people. I was one of five, and I don't know whether it's because of that that I used to go off on my own. So I would go and sit on the um, railway station and train spots. <laughs> 
But one thing I used to do, which I'd, I used to love drawing, so I'd go drawing everywhere. And I don't know how, when I think back on it, I was probably about 12 and I used to get on a bus by myself. I'd go up to London and I'd go to the um, Natural History Museum. I was just fascinated by, um, I don't know, the stuffed animals, I suppose. And I used to sit there and draw. So I used to do things like that. So that was my drawing, but it was never encouraged at home. Um, any Anything artistic was never encouraged at home. It was sort of, I suppose, at that time, I was felt that I'd have to grow up and be a wife or secretary. But it was felt that art was not something that one should do because you'd never have a career at it, really. Um, so that was the artistic. I went to school then, left school probably early because uh, my parents had split up and I had to go to work really which was I was a bit miffed because I was hoping I was going to go to university so um then it just rolled from there really and then I ended up partnering with somebody and having five children and I think I was always sort of quite frustrated about where I was going but during that time I always used to do creative things um I did like upholstery I did French polishing I made carpets, I did knitting, I made clothes. I used to do always something creative um, while, while raising the children. So that's always stayed there with me. And then I went back to work um, and it was in my father's company. He had a um, vitamin and mineral company that, and I worked for him for a time. And because of the nature of the company, felt it was good that it needed somebody who was um, qualified because it was always looked down upon by the industries, by the big pharmaceuticals and everything because not really having qualified people. So that's how I got into doing a chemistry degree really and I did that without having to do any um, GCSEs or A-levels um, and they just came and interviewed me in my place of work because I was quality control manager at the time and just for nature and and, and gave me a go. So I, I went straight into this first degree of chemistry. It was it was like the first year was really, really hard work. I can imagine I mean, where I was, was that? That was at Greenwich, yes. I had the children, so I couldn't really move anywhere else. I had to go somewhere that was near enough for me to travel back and forwards during the day, you know, so... Um, yes, I went to Greenwich, and yeah, the first year was tough. It was, I can it was really tough. You left. You left school at what? Fifteen. Fifteen, and I was now probably thirty-seven-ish when I'd gone back to university. So, I know it was like <laughs> five children. I don't know, but after the first year, I think they felt um, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to get through. I think the sort of feedback was that I probably wouldn't, I'd only end up with an HND. I might have to go on the HND course because I don't know if that's true of all universities, but the first two years can be an HND um, and you sort of qualify in, into the degree course. So, but no, after the first year, no, my grades were okay. I went into the second year. In, in tow with that, um, I did the sort of joint degree with the Royal Society of Chemistry. So, um, and then I came out with a 2-1, so with um, uh, a graduate member of the Royal Society of Chemistry. You sort of did extra work for it. You had extra modules that you would cover in order Where to get that. did you find time to do extra work with five children I don't know, in the job? <laughs> I don't know. I, think I was given energy because I used to have to go to work as well. So I'd yeah. do silver service 
I would go cleaning. I just used to have to go to work. Oh my well. gosh, you were saying you're working in a restaurant doing silver service, cleaning. Yeah. yeah. And I doing was. this degree. Yeah, I'm having the children. The I children. don't know. I just feel I'm I just feel lucky because for some reason I was given a lot of energy. Yeah. I think. You know, I was given that's just the way I was born, I think. I just have this right something's got to be done, do it, sort of thing. So Do you think that comes from yeah. being from a big family? No. I don't no. think so. If you compare to my siblings, no, I don't think so. It's no, just... what, are they, what are they like? Did they go into um, no. more mainstream jobs? Uh, yes. One went into the water board. Um, my sister became a nurse. Um, my youngest brother works on my father and stayed there working for him. Um, and um, the eldest brother, he went into banking, really. He's <laughs> you know, very... Very different. So none, none, of them, the, none of them are creative, are they? No, no. I suppose the, no, the no. nursing one is quite creative, vocationally creative. Yeah. Yeah, she used to like drawing. I think when she was young, I think she actually got a picture in the, um, they have a Royal Academy youth show or something, mm -hmm. don't they? I think she got a picture in there, but she never followed it through. My grandmother was probably, she was very musical and played the piano. That was my paternal grandmother yeah. I didn't really my maternal grandparents um, were German I never really saw them but I don't think they were creative I, d I don't know where does the science come from I don't know where does where the, does the science from? where does the creativity where does the energy come from I don't know I just I believe it's given to me I don't know I, I believe that that's the way I was born and gifted with with it really with the energy to do that so you did the degree and then uh, presumably you did a postgraduate did you no no you no. just went straight into phd straight into a phd yeah you are a woman yeah i yeah i don't know i just no messing about straight no. in that's right <laughs> yeah they took they took me straight in i suppose because my grades i suppose because probably being mm. the um graduate member of the royal society of chemistry as well doing the joint degree i think that holds you instead mm. um because it's the extra work so i think they recognize maybe you're a hard worker yeah i did i really enjoyed my phd did you i, I did because a lot really of people discourage you from doing phd saying it like really is um hurts your brain <laughs> quite badly and can upset you you know your equilibrium because you have to completely immerse how did you find it it's just who I am. Yes. I think I'm an academic by nature. I'm a learner. I love learning. Um, and I'm very curious. Um, and just from doing the degree to going to a PhD was just more me because it was in a research environment. You're actually going into the unknown. You're sort of looking for discovering things. You're not just learning something, well, you've got to learn this and then you've got to learn that in order to do your exams. You're actually going out discovering and I think that again when people equate and they say all oh, science and art how to go to be a chemist to be or, or maybe a physicist even you've got to be really creative you have to have a creative mind to in order to encompass that and I just love learning um, and I had to build this electronic nose and <laughs> it was sort of learning about physics and I don't know it's just I, I really enjoyed it yeah um, just, so um, did you go back into the company once you'd got the PhD? Did no. Take it? No. No, I didn't. My father decided he wanted to sell the company. No, that was the whole, <gasps> I think. I know. It, it's really bizarre because he discouraged me, really, from going 
to do a degree. He sort of felt that I had children to bring up and that I shouldn't go on such, I suppose, a low, low wage. Um, but I, I just felt, no, I, need, I needed to do that. It was something within me that I needed. I always felt frustrated with not, not being able to have my sort of full education, I think. Um, so, no. And it gave me a lot of confidence. It allowed me to be more who I am, I think. You know, and accept that, yes, you can go off and do things and you can do, you know. So, no, from that I went into um, working for um, Smith Crime Beecham, working for them and really working in um, the in instrumental sort of department where they would use the instruments. So I used to write uh, technical literature for them. Things like that. I also edited for a short time with the Royal Society of Chemistry journals. Um, when they when they came in, you sort of read them and I suppose rewrite them in a way so that they're publishable. So I did that for a few years, and then I went. I made a mistake. I think I thought I went into Viewgate Networks, which was in Seven Oaks, which was telecommunications, but it was going in again as a technical author, and I think that's when things sort of went wrong because going from a very sort of science caring in a way you're, you're you're doing things to care and look after people and then going into this sort of technical world that it was probably all about earning money more than caring <laughs> mm -hmm. um and i got made redundant so it was with that getting made redundant my son said to me at the time he was a glazier and he said to me why don't you look into doing stained glass? Um, so I, I, I looked into it. I sort of went from a really quite a large wage into practically nothing <laughs> <laughs> and went to City Lit. And that was under Cathy Shaw there. And I was there, what, two years, I think. Then I was in her studio for a year and she encouraged me to go to Central St. Martins. So I did two years at Central St. Martins um, fine doing glass and fine art and glass and architecture as postgraduate yeah had so and from many that, people that we've heard about on these on these interviews that have went to city lit and, and it's been transformative did you find that experience yeah. transformative i don't know how i got to the city lit uh it must have just been looking up and where did these i think it was because of what they offered i don't just like the stained glass where it's cut glass cut colored glass and it's put into lead um, I wanted to learn more about, I suppose, the painting aspect and that sort of aspect of it. And I think that's what the city lit offered. And at the time I was living in uh, Orpington near Pets Wood. So it's very easy to travel to London, you know, to do that. So I, I just started going there and definitely I found the city lit um, very open. The course there was, and with Cathy, she just taught you everything. And she was a great painter uh, she was very creative in her own artwork herself. But the city lit was really good and it shut down, the department shut down. So that's why she had a studio in Stockwell, why I then went with her for a year before I applied for Central and got into Central St Martin. So it was definitely a good choice. Yeah, um, so it wasn't to go to really city an error going, going to, taking the job in the technical, with the technical company wasn't really a mistake uh, because it led you, didn't it, to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Probably, right. if you'd yeah. have if you'd have stayed, you may not have taken that journey. You just don't know, do you? If you haven't been made redundant, you're probably right. 
I probably would have carried on there. It was only, it was like, a, yeah, coming to a decision of what, about what I wanted to do. Did I want to carry on doing what I was doing, which I can't say was truly me, you know, writing or writing literature and writing sort of um, documentation for people to understand how to use things. You know, it's not really me. But the other thing that happened is um, because after Central St Martins, I so was... So what did you do at Central St Martins? You did a... Fine art and glass. And, degree? Uh, postgrads. Postgrads. So you've yeah. got a, um, a master's as well? No, they're postgraduate. They're two one-year courses, so postgrad right. certificates. Um, no, I was just into it. From there, I was going to... I was looking for a fellowship. So I went to um, Imperial, and I can't remember who I talked to there, but I managed to get one of the professors on board. And then at Central St. Martins, and we were looking to do a fellowship to um, make quality glass from used glass, from old glass. Wow. I was going to look in it. So I was going to use both the science side of me and the art side of me yeah. and to do this fellowship. So we we're applying. And then I got a detached retina in my eye. Um, and it's sort of, I'd had about six ops. It put me out for about two years. I was a bit devastated because I thought, hold on a minute, I'm just starting to get to where I want to go. You know, things are happening. And all of a sudden, wow. And I, through that period, I was times when I was blind in one eye. It was awful. Mm. It was awful. And I just had to, I don't know, hang on in there really. So that, and that sort of changed everything. It was, that was hard. Because I, I, I felt, you know, all I worked towards had sort of just gone. Um, yeah. Because after that, I didn't want to then work really on computers or anything or do anything. So I felt that my eyes probably wouldn't be up to doing the level of work that would be needed to do a fellowship. Um, so and where, did you, where did you turn then next? What sort of happened, I think. I started doing um, South East Open Studios. And from that came, um, I was asked, would I go and be a sessional lecturer at Canterbury Christchurch um, in uh, teaching glass in, the, in the, the ceramics department? So I did that for quite a number of years, really. And that finished in 2018 because, again, um, they, sh they shut down, they shut the department down. Uh, that's sort of how that sort of developed and then I just started with my own work and I was working very much in fine art and glass that's how I took it and I think it was sort of like a quite a unique selling point that I had in that I tend to do portraiture on on glass and that's where I've worked at because central St Martin's really didn't encourage painting at all it was all hot glass techniques cold glass techniques but having that enabled me to teach all those things yeah um so then I started up while working there, I started getting into my own glasswork and developing that and how it was going. And the glass I love because you can layer it. So I, I think we need to see your glass now. I think people have people we're hearing about it. I think people okay. need to see some of it. Right, well, this is one of the first pieces, can you see that, that I ever did yeah. at City Lit. And it was uh, from a copy of a medieval uh, sort of, stained glass piece can you see that does it show up yeah you might want to have you got like a curtain oh that's perfect i was going to say if you've got a curtain to the left yeah. of you, you might so, want to, i can't that really see that works perfectly that works that, perfectly you can does it see that yes yeah 
It is very medieval scene with a castle and a tree and looks like gardens in the front. Yeah, it is. And the workers in the gardens. I like the medieval because it's very quirky. Yeah. So that was um, one of the first pieces you created. One of the first pieces I ever did at the City Lit. Yeah, that was. So that's painting on glass. That is, um, yeah, fired enamels on glass. Have I got it the right way round even? Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yes, there's right. more detail, much more right. detail Okay. Now. Yes, you got it around the right way. Sorry. You can see a lot more my detail of only... the gardens. <laughs> right. My eyes only function where my glasses work. Uh, right. I have four different sets of glasses that sort of... <laughs> <laughs> Because of the because of the damage on my eye, so yeah, yeah that was the my initial. So right, I, I'd like the medieval, which is why yeah. um, I don't really like the the stained glassy thing. That was what I aspired mm. to more. So then the other things are really up in my in in the, in the loft and that. So I've got because you ex you exhibited right. with Pure quite early on, didn't I you? I did. And I showed the monks, didn't I? It was a light you box did. I did. It was a light box, yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. That's piece. up in my studio because I have a studio up at the end of my garden where I have the kiln and my sandblaster mm. and keep a lot of my materials. And then when I paint now the temper, I tend to do it in here. Yeah, it so just, you've been experimenting again, haven't you? And experimenting yeah. in other mediums. Well, this was a, a little one that I did that was of my grandchildren, and that's oh. using layering a glass. Right, okay. So if you I, put that up against the screen, just had that's it. Oh not not that close. Well, uh, about there. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's stunning. Yeah, but that's done in layers. So there's two layers of glass there and also it's set up so you get shadows as well. Yeah. So I was re really really I love I have done quite a few of my grandchildren and family. Um but one thing I love is that layering that you can do yeah. with glass. And the other thing I like figurative and I like stories. Um, and then I did, I don't know if you can see this one. This is, this is my son, he's in the army. And it's really just to bring, right, as much as I can. Yes, no, that's perfect. Two yeah. people that you should care and look after people really, you know, yeah. like people are really valuable. And so I like stories. Yeah. Narrative, I do like narrative. I think we've shown that one as well. I think Pure, we've exhibited that one. Yeah, I think we did exhibit that one as well. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, those are the only ones I've got sort of uh, down here. And now so, you but you have been working in egg tempura and you've been doing the icons, haven't you? Yeah, the reason why I changed was because I like the layering mm -hmm. and I did lots of experimentation on coloured enamels in glass. What I'm going to um, do just for the moment is I'm going to give you the whole screen so that when you show the pictures, you've got oh, okay. them on the whole screen. So don't right, worry, okay. you're going to get the whole screen, but I'm still going to be there. I'm just down, oh, right. in, the, okay. I'm down in the corner okay. <laughs> so right. everyone can see the pictures when you when you bring them oh, up. Okay. So, yes, so you, started, you started experimenting, you were saying. I started experimenting because I wanted to bring colour into my glasswork, really, in the sort of layering technique. And I haven't really used colour painting so I decided that I would try oil painting and I did a couple of years down um, with Catherine Rennie, um, portrait painting in Canterbury. And then I came across this course that did um, egg temper in icons. And I tried it for a week. And within my week, this was the first piece that I ever did. Um, Goodness gracious, look yeah. at that. That was the first piece I did. That was on um, a week's course. 
with him and I decided then to enroll into a three-year course again I like we know you love education <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, I also it's it's nice as an artist to actually work with other people mm, so definitely. that is a, a a reason as well why I like doing these things because mm. you're working with other artists and you're with other people it's sort of it gives you something something else rather than just sitting in your own studio and working you know sort of so I do like that I do like learning tempera was the challenge using pigments um you use sort of the powdered pigments and I use the mm. traditional ones so they're just mm. a different sort of yeah, yeah color pigment so and you mix it up with egg so I started doing that, and also what I like about it is it tells stories. That was the reason why they started making icons in the first place. It was to educate people because they couldn't really read and write. Mm. So a lot of it was to do with educating people. So going from that, then I started developing because the course that I do is really Byzantine art. Mm -hmm. and it's very stylistic. So mine probably isn't that stylistic, but it was... Yes, I, I, I sort of like, in a way, the Renaissance type. Yes. So I've been developing, and it takes me quite a long time to do my work, and I'm developing stories. So coming to a, another, which is, this was a last year one. This is the story of Tobias. Um, uh -huh. And it's reading the story and then just making up the painting from that. And then, as well, really researching the clothes of the time, what they would wear, um, and what they do, and then we've got my daughter's dogs in it, because oh. Tobias <laughs> I had a dog, so I, I've done my daughter's dog in it. So it really the colours are things. so vibrant, yeah, they are. aren't they? I tend so to keep... vibrant. Well, this is lapis, which is one of yeah. my favourite colours, and then the orange is the vermilion. I mean, I love them. Mm. So I did quite a lot of experimentation on mixing colours using a, a minimal palette. And do you um, do you incorporate kind of um, symbolism into that? Do you pick out yeah. colours that? Um, no, not the colours, um, but, but the, the people or the stories. So yeah. the city that they were in, um, the fact that it sort of said he had silver wings, so that they're made of palladium. Yeah. I couldn't afford platinum. Um, it's just sort of the box. I just read the story and then build it all up and try and put it into the story. What it mm. what what it actually says. So really, you could pick it up from. What's in there? Yeah. I love the dog. Yeah, the dog. that's Monty. Monty lives next door to me. <laughs> oh, so your daughter lives next door, does she? Yeah, she lives next door. Yes, the children are in there. So going from that, really, it's how do I develop my practice mm. to... Uh, and it's learning the skill of working with tempera, which is quite... Do you think a, you'll incorporate that with the glass at some point? I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to. The plan, what that was the plan for somehow using it and then doing work on top. So this was done last year. It's not been seen by anybody because this was going to go into exhibition this year, but we didn't have an exhibition. This is actually Harriet Grote, our yes. founder of the Society of Women Artists. I found an old photograph of a miniature painting that was done of her in 19, 1834. And I sort of made this. She was... um. My husband was a member of the Radicals, so I painted her in red. Um, I think she was quite wealthy, uh, the founder, yeah. very flamboyant character, and I think she was quite stern. So that's in temper again. She would have but had that, to be formidable, wouldn't she? I think she was. When you read about her, I think she was. 
So tell us about your journey into the SWA. I think I think I first entered, and I can't remember why, about 2013, 2014. Mm. Um, and it was just really to enter competitions um, to see, I suppose, if I could, how I'd forward my career in a way, you know, sort of how, how, how to sort of start showing your work. Really, it was, it was that. And then um, it was Sue Jelly who was president at the time. And she encouraged me and then took me on as an associate member and then as a member and then asked me if I'd join the council, really. So I've just got more and more involved with them. Mm. And how do you find it? Do you enjoy being part of that in the Mall and in London? And yes, I do. The energy? I, I enjoy the energy. Um, people sort of... <laughs> You get it's, it's quite strange because people because I'm a member of the Society of Women Artists, people think I'm a feminist or <laughs> that we are a feminist. But some may be and, and some aren't. We're just women. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. not we're, we're not really is at all. We're just women that like to show together and to yeah. have the company of other women, I think, really. Yeah. Um it's not a feminist thing, but I can understand how people think that and the way it was formed and I, I, but they had no choice at the time with forming it because they weren't allowed to exhibit women weren't allowed to exhibit they, any of the other societies yeah they did exhibit but very minimal mm. some women did get into other societies but very few i mm. think or well, from what i read is that basically they weren't given education um it was normally the the richer women i suppose on the whole that were able to get into it and that was either because their fathers maybe taught them or relatives maybe taught them art um, or they worked with their fathers or male members of the family on commissions and things so there were opportunities but very very minimal and for some reason Harriet Grote came along she's not an artist herself <laughs> um, and decided to form the Society of Women Artists um, I've got she's written I do quite a bit of reading because I'm very interested in the history and as to why they formed um, and I think it was formed possibly with Mrs Stanley who was a close friend of hers with a lady Eastlake okay a, a close friend uh, Jenny Lind possibly who is a, a singer it's sort of but to find information it tends to be secondary there's very little primary information available on why it sort of formed in the first place but I think it was really to encourage women to be able to show their work and to sell it um, and for quite a few years it had a really good it had really good reviews from the press and then and I think it, it was went... it, was it always in the mail was it always in no the... no I've got a list here no it's not in the mail I sort of wrote down the list of where it was try and Oh, here we go, paper, paper. Oh, I don't know what I've done with That's terrible. <laughs> um, sorry. Don't worry, it's fine. Yeah. It's just interesting to know where, oh, you know, where, no, where, it they, wasn't. where they first started exhibiting. No, they didn't. They started, I think, in Oxford Street and they went to several venues. I'd say uh. one thing about our society is most societies have managed to buy themselves a building um, and we we have never had a building but 
apparently we used to be part of the Federation of British Artists at yes. the Mail Gallery. We were, but that was much later on. And then I think we fell out with the Federation and went to Westminster Halls for about 10 years. Mm. This is fairly recently. And then we came back to the Mail Galleries. So we've been with them probably 10 years or so. So are you part of the Federation now? No, no, no. we're not. No, because I wondered why we weren't. And I only heard, you know, the question I've got that um, you, you get restrictions put on you. But I have read that... Um, that we came away from it because they took control over your work. They took control over your finances. And I think it was... Yes, it that, was would make our... that would make sense, wouldn't it, that they would want to have control over the financial aspects. Yeah. Because you're exhibiting at the, at the male galleries. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we have so, in... So this year has been obviously very disrupted and you haven't been able to do the exhibition. No. You did do some level of online exhibition, didn't you, to a small That's, degree? It's been quite a big degree. It's quite successful. Yeah. yeah. Did that go I mean, well? It's going well. It's still on till the 31st of December. Wonderful. So it is going well. And we had, what, about 3,300 entries? We had a lot more entries from international artists and young artists this year, probably because of how um, how easy it is to exhibit. They didn't have to bring the physical work in. Yes. Um, and from that, we've chose about 520, 530 pieces on the online exhibition. Mm -hmm. I haven't got the figures as to what we've sold, but I think we've done quite well. Um, feedback is that it, it's a good exhibition. We've get lots of good entries. I think under Sue Jelly and Soraya, the previous presidents, I think they've really brought the society up and uh, the uh, quality of work is improving. So the quality of artists we get now are really are quite great. Mm -hmm. But chances of getting in get slimmer, I suppose, as more people enter. Absolutely. You, I mean, that's inevitable, isn't it? It's you, you get to a wider audience and inevitably, therefore, the opportunity. So how does it work getting in? You go from associateship onwards. You No, you have to show and you have to show if you're interested in membership, you have to show six, six pieces. You have to put in six pieces of which up to four be selected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. They'll sort of normally view that work, and if they're sort of unknown or anything, then you'll you'll ask them to do that the following year. And if the following year the standard is still high, um, then they're asked if they would like to become an associate member. Now, with becoming an associate member, they're then sort of um, again they can put in six pieces, and again only up to four would be shown. And if the quality of work carries on, then they'd be asked to become a member. So it, it's quite it's. It, it's quite a process uh, over a few years, really. It's important to understand that the body of work, the quality of the body of work is going to be uh, consistent over a period of time. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely, because, yes, you, you want members that are going to contribute in a positive way as well. Um, and I, I suppose also what encourages associate members is that they show an interest in the society and are willing to help us out with, you know, doing things. Um, then we're more inclined to bring them on, I think, as members. Yeah, yeah um, so we'd yeah, like encouraging people, people to help. Yeah, to sort of be involved with a society and be mm. proud of it and 
you know, it's, it's a long-term thing. It's, you know, it's, I don't know, I think, and I think in the past, it's been used as a stepping stone, maybe, to other societies, possibly to the RA. Um, so we have had really quite prestigious mem members join, and then they leave us, I think, when they're offered, offered membership elsewhere, they tend to leave us. So it's nice to have a loyal, uh, a loyal membership, you know. Yeah, so the important things are to show your best work. If you move just to the, just across on your chair, because the sun is glaring through. There, that's better. Is it? The, the okay. sun was coming brightly right, through yes, your window. I know. <laughs> so it's important. The things that you're looking for is consistent quality of work. Yes. And you're looking for people who see it as a long-term commitment, not someone who's just looking for a stepping stone. Yeah, they're interested mm. in the society and want mm. to be part of that. You know, and I think that would be true of most societies. I think so. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You want mm. people that that enjoy it, are passionate about it. Mm. Um, and, and, and that, I mean, we've been going since 1855. We're quite a long-standing society. We've had ups and downs, and the quality of work apparently has gone up and it's gone down, and we're in a period at the moment where the quality of work's really high. And, and, and I don't know, membership's good. Yeah. It's, yeah. So this year is challenging, definitely, for doing an online exhibition, for selecting online, because we normally do an online selection and we normally have, um, then we, we whittle it down and then we ask a certain amount of people to bring their work in. And seeing work in the flesh and seeing it on screen are very different. You Absolutely. know, it's, it's really hard to sort of assess. I mean, you'd, you'd know that as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we always put the caveat on ours that um, we still have the right of veto right to the point where someone delivers the work because, you know, Photoshop's, Photoshop's a thing and, you know, people can have a really good um, photographer and, and make something that isn't very good look amazing. And, and that's not just being, that's not being pretentious or snobby. It's about being respectful of the other people that you have yes. chosen and who they're exhibiting yeah. with. That's you have right. to be respectful of the company that you're keeping. You're not choosing for yourself. You're choosing no. for all the other artists. So it's not a, it's not a decision about quality based on just being pretentious. It's about a quality decision for all these other people who have invested. It's like a collector decision, really. Which is, and yeah. Yeah, so but, no, I've, <laughs> I've always found that selection process quite stressful. I sort of enjoy it, but I don't like the online one. <laughs> no. I find the, the online is quite stressful. And again, and I, I, I mean, a lot of the work is good that you see on, you know, online section and then they bring it in. But there are pieces that I think something might be, wow, that's really good online. And then they bring it and you think, oh, that's not terrible. That's, that's not good. Or, yeah. or the other way round. You know, the other way round is the tragedy, isn't it? Because you probably yeah. never get to see it. Because the other thing that I find is scale, because you can't get the sense of scale online. That's what I was. That was my other thing because they're all basically the same, and then you have to really, we have so many. I mean, when you're getting over three thousand entries that you've got to look through mm -hmm. in selection, uh, because you have so many, you can't sort of go and read everything about it. It's very much, I mean, even in, in, in normal selection, because we have so many that come in, it's very much, they're brought in front of you. You have to make an instant decision. Yes, no, maybe, you know, mm. just like that with, with, with what you see. You can't go into who the name is or what. But mm. yes, online it is that one size, really. And to determine, you know, how big is that or how small is that? 
it's it, that, that's that's yeah that's tricky so, isn't it and when you're trying to create a dynamic show because you're not just selecting for the artist you're selecting the curation and how it will look mm. actually installed in the gallery yeah that's right you need various scale scales of items you can't have them all just one size you want no. big or small you so yeah that is a challenge um and one last question from me is when people submit yeah do you prefer to see a body of work all within one range is that easier for you to select from rather than having six completely disparate different things you know a sculpture a painting um a drawing etc all completely different not i'd say not neither either i <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't I don't really like to see six that are really similar yes because it just it it sort of shows that, that i don't know there's no development there's mm. no breadth to it mm. um so we don't really like to see six that are really similar but we don't like them really dissimilar either because that really sort of shows that maybe the artist doesn't really know who they are and what they want to do yes uh yeah, so good yeah good answer is that you'd say the same would you yeah yeah definitely you you want to see something that looks cohesive yes and you can right. see the hand of the artist in it yes. throughout yeah. um but you don't want so you don't want eclectic but equally you don't want six items that all look the same just in different colorway that's because, right because that doesn't yeah. show any um create you know, depth of creativity and you're trying to understand the depth of this person that's in front of you so yeah it's a difficult yeah. one and it's something that artists ask me a lot, you know, when they're about to submit, you know, what should I submit? How do I select? And, you know, I always say, well, you know, you have to show your range. But remember that if you show a disparate range, it's going to be difficult for someone to understand what who you are. And if yeah. you show everything the same, they won't understand the integrity and authenticity of your practice. So it is a difficult Thing. and that's why not everyone's not everyone's confident at it i suppose it's very i don't think you can, my advice is and i know for myself and i'm sure this is true of all artists whether they're well known or not well known is we all do our artwork and some we just know are really good we just know that piece of work it just is really good it sings you know and then there's others that you've done and you're not totally happy with so i would really suggest that you only show work that you really you really are engaged with and you love yourself in a way you know um i'm i think that comes through when you look at paintings i think when you look at painting no matter what the genre you can feel maybe what that artist has put into it yeah so, trust your instinct it is trust your instinct. I mean, it might not be perfect what you've done or something, but you just sort of know. You just there's something about a painting when you know it's a good one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so we've got some questions for you. Let's have a look at some questions that we've got here. So the first one is from Susan D'Souza, who's a textile artist, and she mm. says, "How does Kathy's time um, split between her making, her research, and her other work? Her achievements are so. I think." she means linda how do you spend oh. spend your time between yeah. making research and other work um your achievements are very inspiring okay well take for instance this one that i'm working on at the moment uh, my work gets more complex i think as i, as I go on <laughs> this is my canterbury tales i live in canterbury and it's the 850 
anniversary this year of um, Thomas Beckett, yes? So I yes. thought I would do... I'm going to give uh, you the full screen so that people right, can see Right, a Thomas Beckett. So I'm working on this. This is not complete. Right, so we've got a bit of a sunshine issue now because oh, the right. sun is glaring. Let me just see if I can close the door. I'm going to take my earphones out a minute. You take your earphones out for a second and close the door because it would be such a shame not okay. to be able to see that full picture because the sunshine. That is always the problem with these interviews when the sun's shining. But I love the sunshine, so we don't want to miss the sunshine. But I wonder if that's the door. No, 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 that wasn't the, that wasn't the answer. Is that better? No. no. <laughs> Oh, right. I've got to figure out. I've got three windows the door. I've got windows sort of all round. Hold on. Okay. Try another window because it'd be such a shame not to be able to see. It's that one, wherever you are there. That is definitely the one, isn't it? Let's see if that we can deal with that. Let, oh, yes. There we go. That was the answer. Brilliant. Yes, that's perfect. Any that better? Definitely much, much better. Right, okay. I hate to block out the sunshine because it's just such a joy to have the I sunshine. Know. But it does affect us being able to see the picture. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so this go. is my Canterbury Tales. Now, I would say this has taken me the best part of a year. Right. So initially, what I do is I come up with what I want to do. Right. Oh, wow. Look at that. Um, then, like, it's reading the story of the Canterbury yeah. Tales. Because I'll read the story and then I'll figure out in my own mind um, how I'm going to draw it. So I'm not a sketchbook worker on the whole, like a lot of artists are. Mm. I tend to create in my mind and then come up with a drawing. So this would be my initial drawing. Can you see? Oh, yes, yes. Perfect, yes. Oh. And then... I do a lot of research into, read the story, went oh, to... Oh, the camera's just fallen. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the library in Canterbury Cathedral, did a lot of research into what clothes they were wearing at the time, um, what the tabard in is, where they started, what did it look like. What did Canterbury Cathedral look like in the late um, 14th century? What did it actually look like? It didn't look like what it looks like today. So I do a lot of research. Um, and then I try and build it up as to how it might have been at the time. So about 50-50 between research and painting or more yeah, maybe, research? Yeah, maybe. A lot of research. And I've just, I actually finished this. <laughs> That's the nature of research of the cathedral. And then I found out somebody gave me a bit of information to say that one of the spires didn't look like it did at the time that I put it in. So I've taken that off now. So I'm in the process of changing it to make it as authentic as I can to the time. And that's really by research. There's a lot of research into something, yeah, something like this. And then you said, so that whole painting has taken you, uh, the research, the drawing and the actual creating has taken you a year? Best part of a year, yeah. Wow, wow. Takes so... a long time. Painting in tempera takes a long time. I'm a very mm. detailed drawer or painter, I think, mm. um, which takes a long time. So hopefully that um, answers your question. Uh, Susan, that you have to invest the time and energy into the into the research. I always describe this as the roots. If you put down really solid roots, you're the the outcome, the tree trunk is always going to stay up and it's going to be really good quality. If you just rush at it, then you've got very shallow roots and things will fall over quickly. 
So you can see that in what you're doing. There's so much integrity and depth in what you're doing. It sings off of the canvas. It is. It's like imagining what those people would look like. I've got the dogs in here again. I <laughs> <laughs> the, pre the priestess, like miniature dogs. So I got two of Sean's dogs, or three dogs in there, and um, the friar. He liked greyhounds, so I've got two of the lurches in there. But, so they're all family dogs. <laughs> I like doing that as well. Yeah, putting some, some personality into personality it. Personality, and then when you read about them, putting a personality of the character. So if they had a particular thing that they did, like, I don't know, it's all got the walks and everything, and they describe them as such a way, and I've tried to put that in there. So it, it really is, yeah, definitely the research. Mm. is goes into what i do yes susan so um lots mm. of research is is part of the whole you know developing your creative practice really um for some and for others yeah not. for some others, just for others, others not yeah others will use sketchbooks won't they they will use sketchbooks and they will put down all the different and then they'll come to what they want to create yeah everybody um, has their own methodology yeah. don't they of how they approach their yeah. work for you, there's a very heavy element of research. Yeah. So Fran is asking, is the SWA run by volunteers only? Yes, it is. It's all volunteer. We're all volunteers. We have an executive secretary um, that we pay. That is it. Everybody, every every role that we do is voluntary. Yeah. So lots of opportunity for artists to volunteer their time and help um, run the society and do all the various tasks that we know yeah. it takes to you know run a business really because you're running a small business yeah it's a small to medium-sized business you're running there yeah how do um julia is asking how do you and the society view textiles and other disciplines um we like fine art so we accept different genres um we have ceramics we have sculpture we have had textiles but it's done in a fine art way rather mm -hmm. than a craft way the society first started off doing uh, um a lot with it was miniatures and they they had craft work but that was decided it was stopped so mm -hmm. we do have pieces that are using different media but it's definitely done in a fine art way so it's presented in a fine art manner mm -hmm. uh, yeah so how would you describe the difference between a craft and a fine art then it's a concept, I think, that what goes into it. Is there a story being told? It's a concept. Say it's something like Grayson Perry, you know, that will use different media only, and he presents his concepts in a different way, stories, and um, that's one aspect. Um, sculpture stands for itself, I suppose, is a different. Um, we had, I think, one year, somebody put in um, a duster, a framed duster um, that had... Um, I don't know, a, a, a part of poetry or something on it. Mm. So it, it's, it's, it's just using it in a way. And craft would be making something probably that's more deemed to be useful, I suppose. Yes. So I use the, um, so I'll come back up on the screen. Uh, I use the analogy of a vase and a vessel to describe, often to right, describe okay. the difference yeah. between craft and fine art. If it were craft it would be described as a vase mm -hmm. and it would hold water and it would have a function if it were fine art it would be a vessel it wouldn't need to hold water mm -hmm. but it would have um a message a story mm. it would be doing something um aesthetic and storytelling whether that's a good story a bad story whether it's 
pretty or ugly, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's just not uh, there to serve, uh, to hold water. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And that's quite a fine balance of a line for people Mm. to understand. So I would say, is it a vase or is it a vessel? Mm. And then, you know, and you can take that into textiles as well. Um, Is it a blanket Mm. that you are wearing to keep you warm? Or is it a textile hanging that's telling a story? So, and it's two different reasons for it being in existence. And that's where you have to, so a textile sculpture, is it a sculpture or is it a doorstop? Yeah, Yeah. and that's the distinction. And and that is open to interpretation. So it's a tricky one for people who are working in the textile medium is to understand, and neither is right or wrong. It's just a different outcome. Um, And neither is better or worse. It's just your society particularly isn't looking for something that has a function. But there will be another society that is looking for that. So Vincent is saying fine art is more than just skill. Yes, yes. It's the nuance of the story and the reason and the emotion all tied up in that. because you can have the skill it's just looking for the different it's just looking for your tribe and the tribe the SWH tribe is looking for that kind of thing and there'll be another tribe society of crafts and craft workers etc who will be looking for a different outcome Mm. so and when you're submitting it's understanding whether you're submitting to the right people because otherwise you're wasting your energy and that can be very disappointing if you set yourself up to submit to the wrong people in the first place. So yeah. clarity, it's good to be clear. It's just, it's very, I, I always say, um, when I was teaching, I always used to say, don't get upset if people say no to you. Yeah. Because it, it's what you just said, you know, you do have to find where you want to show where, if people say no, it's not maybe because your work is not up to standard. It's probably not that. It's maybe because it just doesn't fit in. That's true. Um, but you should never be discouraged about getting no really no because of... you you said right at the beginning didn't you i made an error and this yeah. happened <laughs> and actually that error turned out to be the reason why you're sitting here yeah. today yeah that's right without that's right. that error it wouldn't yeah i'd have been on a different path somewhere else doing something different yeah you wouldn't yeah. even been sitting here would you so no, yeah. there's no, there's no rejection as such. It is just this isn't the moment or the path for you right now. Look around you and find the path that is for you. And believe in yourself. It's, it's believing in yourself and knowing your own work and knowing mm. what you're happy with. As I said, you know, I think if you know you're happy with a piece, really happy with a piece, and it's a good, it tends to be a good piece of work. Mm. You know, it's having that extra. So no, don't take rejections as as a your work is very good. No. Use it to propel you forward. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. Don't take oh, negatives. Yeah. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you so much. I I really think the society is in very, very good oh. hands oh. now. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. But I think the society is in very good hands going forward. And, um, and we would encourage lots of anyone watching to, um, to make sure that that is the right society for them. And if it is, then give it a go. And, but get involved, offer to help. 
get involved properly with the society and integrate yourself into their workings. And that is definitely what um, being a member of a society should yeah. be. Yes, should, definitely. Should be yeah. getting fully involved. We always say that yeah. with PR. We say the more people put into it, the more they'll get out of it. Yeah, and the more it just makes, I don't know, symbiotic greatness, really. It sort of, it yeah. does. Yeah. It just does. Yeah, yeah. The, the energy kind of grows, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Definitely yeah, it does. Absolutely. The right people, it, it, it definitely does. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what what 2021 brings. Uh, none of us know, really. We'll wait and see, won't we? We'll all wait and see. Yes. I feel it's going to be fine and everything's going to, you know, it'll all work out. What is meant to be, yeah. will be. And yeah, definitely, yes. That's all you can say, isn't it? What yeah, is meant all to you be, can do is be. do your best. Exactly. So thank you so much for sharing so generously your story. I really, really loved hearing about it. And I know so much better your work now, which is great. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. Leslie. And yeah, I hope it all goes well with society. And I look forward to coming to the mail again. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. You're more yeah. than welcome. I gave, um, yeah, when Sue was the president, she asked me to come up and do the opening of one of the shows and do a talk, which I found as scary as asking you you said you were going to find today it was yeah. terrifying <laughs> I, I remember i remember you doing it a few do years you? ago I yeah. yeah yeah it was a it couple was of quite... years ago yeah. yeah i don't I... even know what's going to happen next year no i thoroughly we... enjoyed it though did you yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it afterwards <laughs> oh right <laughs> before terrified absolutely terrified but afterwards in, in retrospect thoroughly enjoyed it oh good good well nice you know nice bunch of people they are they were lovely absolutely yeah. lovely no thank you so much and i look forward to catching up with you again after christmas and seeing how everything's coming on and, yeah okay uh, leslie yeah, nice we'll nice again. for the chat thank yeah, you yeah loved it loved it oh. thank you all right am, we're speaking am i logging soon. off now I will end the broadcast now okay. for you so you can just say bye to everyone. Goodbye, everybody. And thank you for <laughs> listening. And I hope, I hope that we've encouraged some women artists to come and put work into us next year. Oh, I'm sure we have. I'm sure we really have. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for watching. All right, take care. And bye. we'll be back with these talks in February. And my first talk in February is with the lovely people who run the big draw. So stick around because that's going to be a great one. I'm going to have a chat with them all about the big draw. So that's in February 2021. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. <laughs> what a year. <laughs> what a ride. Oh, dear. Okay, take care, everyone. Speak to you all very soon.